So I'm going to read from Psalm 121, and then I'm going to read from John the fourth chapter, and then I'm going to read from Hebrews the fifth chapter. Oh, and then I'm going to read Exodus 3 and verse 14. Well, I'm going to read 3.14 first, because this was what, when Moses saw the little scraggly bush burning, but not yet consumed, that's when he turned aside. And then he had those questions, but this is what I want to get to. You can read those first, the 14 verses in, in Exodus verse uh, chapter 3, but verse 14, uh, the answer to both questions, in other words, the answer to he said, who are you? And then when he was asking the, his, the, the Lord's name so that he could tell Israel, he was really asking for himself first. And the answer to both was, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, this is what you're going to say to the children of Israel. I am have sent me unto you. See where it says me? See, so God's answering him personally like he, like he does with us. So you see the I am. Okay, and then this is what it says, and then we'll read those other ones in John, the eighth chapter. John chapter eight. Verse 52, it says, Then said the Jews unto him, and these are these uh, religious Jews, these legalistic religious Jews, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, If a man keep my sayings, he will never taste of death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the, and the prophets are dead. Whom make you yourself? <laughs> Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I would be a liar just like you. But I do know him, and I keep his sayings. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. And of course, that was by faith with all those sacrifices that were pointing to Christ on the cross in the future. And that's why all the old covenant saints, those that are in heaven as a result of receiving Christ as their savior, their faith looked forward to the cross. Our faith looks back and we all meet at the cross. Verse 57, then said the Jews unto him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? This is what Jesus said. And Jesus said unto them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, had a beginning, I am. <laughs> then took, they took up stones to, to stone him. And Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. So we have the great I am. We saw that again in Exodus 3, verse 14, and John 8, verse 58. Now, Psalm 121, verse 1 says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Hills, when we speak, when we see that in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, hills, it speaks of 
God's government. He's looking down. It's God governing. And so it says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From where comes my help? Okay, where does our help come from? In Psalm 121, verse 2. My help comes from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. This is referring to Jesus Christ. Okay, it's God that gave us the Son, right? And, and God in providing for himself in Genesis 22, verse 8, he's provided for us. So the Father gave the Son, but of course the Son willingly gave himself to the Father and the Holy Spirit. The reality of all that proceeds uh, from both and because they're all one. So my help comes from the Lord, which has made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He that keeps you will not slumber. Okay, he doesn't sleep, right? So his eye in, in Job 36 verse 7 is always on the righteous. And, and the fact is that we've said before the, through the word that Christ is our righteousness in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. He is our righteousness, right? So that's what we see. So what is Psalm in, in the type in the preponderance of those scriptures that we read in terms of the I am, when the, when the voice is speaking to Moses, here you have the great antitype, Christ, not yet putting on humanity, but speaking to him, saying, I am. Because how does God speak? Does he speak outside of Christ, the word, in John 1, verse 1 and 1? 14, of course not. So he's speaking to him and he's saying, I am. Now he has humanity and he's speaking to the religious Jews. And in their own understanding, what can they understand? They don't understand anything. They just say, you know, they're looking at him in his humanity. Boy, and God forbid that that's all we do, you know, like with a lot of teaching too, you know, it's just his humanity and not realizing it's the great I am in his humanity, and it's become one. So, my help, it said in Psalm 121, uh, verse 1 and 2, it, my help is what? Who's the link between God the Father, God himself, and us? Who's the link? It's Christ. So, my help, then... My help has to be equal to God's will. <laughs> right? Who fulfilled the will of God the Father in John 4, verse 34? It was Christ. Right? His whole sustenance was to do what? His will and to finish the work, which he did even prior to the cross. The cross just was the demonstration of that in John 19.30, but prior even to the cross. You see in his high priestly prayer in John 17 and verse 4, he already glorified the Father. He had already done that. As a matter of fact, even in John 13, um, 31 and 32, he had already glorified him because he fulfilled his will. So my help is God's will and God's will is who? It's Christ. That's the link. That's the link between us and God. It's, it's the fulfilled will of God through Christ with us in him. <laughs> it's pretty amazing when we think about it. 
So that's, that's, it's God's will. Now, for that to happen for us, remember we, we shared yesterday, I think it was yesterday, about Christ's obedience, the difference between his obedience and ours. Right? We, had to, we had to learn obedience, right? Because we have what? And we have the flesh in us. Now, we're in, we're in Christ, right? But the flesh is still in us. While we are in Christ and of him, and Romans 8 verse 9 teaches that, right? But can we submit to the flesh and be disobedient? Yes, and that's where we have, that's where we have a wicked heart, which is mind and emotions, a will, self-consciousness, and a conscience. So if we have that, we have that wickedness, what's a part of the wickedness? It's a will. The only thing we can function in apart in our experience from Christ, who is the fulfilled will of God for each of us individually, is what? And he did fulfill our obedience, did he not? In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 6. He, he, he certainly did for each and every one of us. And so, but we have to learn it and we have to learn it like him because we have this wickedness which has to do with the will. But we, we said yesterday, as God was teaching us, that again, Christ, he, he had to learn obedience because he, as God, was over all. It was new to him. <laughs> because who did he ever submit to? But in his humanity, for our sake, to fulfill the will that you and I couldn't, he had to put on humanity, God and humanity. And boy, did he do it all for us. We're going to talk about God being for us in Romans 8, 31 to 39. And that's why nothing can come against us when we function in his will. Because he did it for each of us individually. And we all have that treasure that Christ is in our own little vessel in the most unique way that no one else can reveal Christ and his glory in us. That's amazing when we think about it. And he designed us specifically for that. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, we have that treasure in us. So we have to learn it because we have the flesh in us. And that wickedness, and that wickedness has to do with that will. And, and sin, in its basic definition, is my will, not yours, God. My will. He had to learn it because obedience was new to him. <laughs> and, and when we think about it, even as a creature, he, he was God's creation, right? Did God create his humanity in the womb of the 14-year-old peasant girl in Luke 1, verse 35? He did. And even in that sense, as he was a creation, and remember, he had a human nature, not a sin nature. But as a creature, creation of God, what did he have to do? He had to humble himself and learn obedience. But see, this is what his obedience was for. And if you want to understand when we cry and when we have tears as a result of a lack of obedience in our own selves or our failure, and we're going to see that this morning about failure, look what it says in Hebrews uh, five, uh, and again we'll read uh, Hebrews five verse one. It says, "For every high priest taken from among men is ordained, set for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins." Now that's what they did in types all through the old covenant. But Christ is the antitype. 
He fulfilled it all. He's the substance. All that was a shadow. But you wouldn't even have, you wouldn't even have had that shadow had it not been for the eternal substance that Christ was and is. In Revelations 13, verse 8, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth, and that speaks of his humanity. It's pretty incredible when we think about it. So who could both offer gifts and sacrifices for sins and do it in a substantial and a real way? It was only Christ. Verse 2, who can have compassion on the ignorant? Do we know anything like we ought to? Do I know anything like I ought to in 1 Corinthians 8? No, I don't. But he can have compassion. We talked about compassion, (laughs) didn't we, yesterday? And on them, have compassion on the ignorant and them that are out of the way. What's the way? Who we truly are, who Christ is in us and who we are in him. And and he just wants to love on us with his compassion. He wants to do for us, in our experience, what he's already finished and only could do about us. And so we see that right here. Have compassion on the ignorant of them that are out of the way, for that he himself also was compassed or surrounded by infirmity. And he did all that for us. Boy, you want to see, oh my God, what he went through. I, I can't even, I tried to go through it this morning. I just kept, I can't even read this stuff about what he went through for us to feel our pain and, and everything. You can read that in Matthew, <laughs> read Matthew 26, 67. Read Matthew 27, verse 30. Read Lamentations 3, verse 30. Read Micah 5, verse 1. Read Isaiah 50, verse 6. And read Isaiah 52, verse 14. And read Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. And look at what he went through. It was prophesied, but he actually went through all that. He did it first for his father to propitiate and deal with the sin question in John 1, 29. But let me tell you, if he was doing it for his father and his father was providing for himself, he had to be, his father had to be provided so that he could provide for us through, through his son. That's why we meet in Christ. That's why we all meet there. And you know, we can do that anytime we want. It's up to us. Anytime we want, he's right there. With compassion that we need. Am I ignorant about something? I don't know. If I don't have wisdom, what should I do? Oh, all I have to do is ask in James 1.5. And God will pour it on us. Just like in Romans 5, verse 5. The love of God, the King James said, says, is shed abroad. I don't know. I, don't, I can't interpret that, but when I look at the original, he pours it out without measure on us. Loving compassion. Are we ignorant? Do we not know certain things? Oh, he'll just, just wait. Because he's waiting to be gracious for that will to be submitted in Isaiah 30, verse 18, so that we can function in Christ, who is the finished will of God for you and I. And so it says this, uh, and in... Hebrews 5, verse 3, And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Now the high priest had to do that because he, he was a human with a fallen nature. Christ never had to do that. You know, he, he was the offerer. He was the sinless victim. 
He was the sacrifice. He he just did it all. And it says this, because of that, because of that right here, and no man, verse verse 4 of Hebrews 5, no man takes this honor unto himself. Mm -mm, It's only one that gets that. Now that's, see that? No man takes this honor to himself. But yet, can you and I submit to God and reverence and, uh, and honor Christ? And we, if we reverence God, we'll honor Christ in each vessel. That's Ephesians 5, verse 21. I mean, we are inseparable from his son. God Almighty. Well, I mean, we're just so inseparable. Again, that's Romans 8, 31 to 39. And in Romans 8, verse 1, if you can't condemn me anymore because I'm in Christ, you will never be able to separate me in 8, 35 to 39 of Romans. So no man takes his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Aaron was the type. Christ was the anti-type. He, he was the fulfillment of it. So also Christ glorified not himself in his humanity. He already had that in terms of his deity, right? But in terms of his humanity, did he glorify himself? No. Who did he put first? His father. And in doing so, you think he put you and I ahead of everything that he ever went through for us? He had to because we couldn't do it. I know I can't. There's no way. There's no way. Just like with this message. Again, God had to remind me, but I kept saying all day, I can't do this, God. I, I can't. I can't do it. But he can. And he said, and then he said, now you go preach the word. <laughs> I said, okay. All right. Be available vessel. What are we all here this morning? What do we all have in common? What do I have in common with you? I have a need. I can't meet myself any more than you can. And that's why we can honor Christ in each vessel. And so, so, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. No, but God sure did. But he said unto him, who said unto them? You are my son. Today have I begotten you. That's his humanity. There was a time when, when he put on that humanity. He, was always, he always is the son of God. <laughs> but then he put on that humanity. God. So in one sense, it's, he put you and I on him when he went on the cross. In that sense, and that's why the Bible you know, teaches us that he not only died for us, he died as us. And, then pay, and crucified the old nature in Romans 6, 1 through 6. And then he paid for all of our sins in Psalm 103, verse 12, and removed them as far as the east is from the west. So if you go in eternity, go, go uh, east and tell me when you can stop. <laughs> go west, go north, go south. He just, there's no end to what his love has accomplished. To this day I've begotten you. As he also said in another place, you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Again, that's Psalm 110, verse 4. Who in the days of his flesh, his body, his humanity, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, listen to this, with strong crying and tears. He knows what that's like. 
strong cryings and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. If God had saved him from death, would we have been saved from it? And the answer is no. But he did answer the prayer. And you know how he did? He rose from the dead. And guess who rose with him? You and I. And we're in him. And in Ephesians 1, 19 to 23, especially in 21, we are far above all principality and power and might, far above every name in him. He offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was had the ability to save him from death, but he couldn't. And, and, and he was heard. He was heard in that he reverenced God. He was heard. God answered his prayer through death. And out of death comes what? Resurrection life. Though he were a son, that's capitalized. Though he were a son, that's his deity. Though he were a son, here's his humanity. Yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. And did he do that for us? That was his learned obedience. Had nothing to be had nothing to do with being tempted to sin because to sin, you've got to have a sin nature. Holy Spirit bypassed that. That's why he's the one that put Jesus in the womb of Mary. It was the Holy Spirit. And that's why it says that holy thing, and I hate thing, it should be that holy one will be called the son of the highest. Jeez. And so, though he were a son, Yet learned he obedience by the things which he, which he suffered. And being made complete, perfect. Are we perfect, complete in him? Colossians 2.10. Is there anything left to do? Is there any distance between, between God and us? No, because Christ removed all that distance between each of us. That's our position. Now, how about our experience? Do you and I think that God wants us to experience everything that Christ did for you and I? And then to confess it in fellowship towards each other. See, that's, that's it. And we confess Christ in fellowship, but even when we fail, are we our failures? No, we confess Christ. It's that Greek word, confess, is homologeo, and it means literally we cite and name the same thing. Now, will there be sorrow? Yeah, godly sorrow. <laughs> did he have sorrow? He did. Did he have godly sorrow? Oh, he most certainly did. And he wants us to even experience that in 2 Corinthians 7.10 so we don't experience worldly sorrow. We need to go to him. And that's even confession. That's part of our growth. Literally. Oh, so it's, it's, it's part of our growth in 2 Peter 3.18. No wonder it says we grow in grace first. And then it's knowledge. What could we know even positionally or experientially, if we didn't have grace first. And that's unmerited, undeserved kindness and favor towards God, towards objects that are completely unworthy of them, anything in themselves to deserve it. But everything that God did was based upon who his son was and is. <laughs> and so it says, in being made complete in Hebrews 5 verse 9, he became the author of what kind of salvation? Boy, don't you wish so many knew that? 
that you can't lose something you, you didn't deserve in the first place, that you gave your will over, and the fact that you gave your will over, you gave your will over to the will of God that's unchangeable. <laughs> that's why you can't lose it. You can't lose. We can't lose. We're winners. We cannot lose. In Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through Him, through Christ that loved us. What's the only answer? How do we get out of lust? How do we get out of failure? It's, it's by grace, but what flows through grace? It's love. It's the answer. It's the answer. Because God's the answer, isn't He? The great I am. The great I am. And I want to share the I am here. The I am. And boy, oh boy, if I can only find it. I wrote it down here and it's so incredible. When it says the I am in Exodus 3 and verse 14, the Bible, the very word of God, has that as a divine promise. What's the divine promise? It's expressed through the I am. So the same I am towards Moses and towards his earthly people in Exodus 3 and verse 14 is the same I am in John 8, 28 for you and me. Because I am, this is so incredible, is in us. Never leave us, nor forsake us. There isn't a single thing. That's why it says he's not ashamed to call us brethren in Hebrews 2, 11, because he dealt with it. And shame, shame has to do with guilt. Guilt has to do with condemnation. That has to do with sin. And he's dealt with all those things, has he not? So the Bible has that divine promise. And what is it? I am with you. Who, am, who are you, God? What are you all about? I am. <laughs> God. Well, who am I? I am with you. Answers both. I am. Now, in, when you get into the Septuagint, and then we don't have to get real fancy about that. Septuagint is, is the Hebrew being taken over into the Greek. And that's rendered by that Greek word meta, M-E-T-A, meta. Now listen to what it says. And with a genitive. Genitive speaks of source, okay? This is the source, the I am, right? But in, in the distinction... From the Greek word sun, S-U-N-T-H-E-O, sun theo, that is what you and I utter to God. That's what's edited, uttered by us when we cry out to God as men and women. When, when you and I experience the support of that deity, the support of God, we cry that out. We cry it out. The biblical statement, though, the biblical statement that I am is, is a declaration of God himself by which he binds himself to man. That's what I am means. I am bound to you. Who I am is bound to who you are. <laughs> God. It's an, it's an unbreakable, immutable bond. It's unbreakable, it's immutable. You can't add anything to it, and you know what? You can't take away. No one can add to who you already are in Christ and nobody can take it away. That's why he wants it to be so individual to each of us. And that's why we have Christ as our head. He's our head, Colossians 1.18. He's our head, Colossians 2, verse 19. 
So for this reason, for the reason that God binds himself to man by the I am, is the reason that faith, faith dependence, corresponds to it. Well, can two walk together except they be agreed in Amos 3.3? Can't be. We cannot be. We can't do it. So what does faith do? Faith dependence relies on the declaration and promise of God. Where are all the promises of God in 2 Corinthians 1.20? Where are they? They're all in Christ. Every one of them. Every one of them. And so even confession is a promise, a way open. Hey, he always gives us a promise, a way to return to him in our experience because we never left in in our position in Christ. But he leaves a way open, and that way is by promise. And so the fact of the matter is, it is God that makes the promise. That's why we, it can't be broken. Because in Titus 1.2 and Hebrews 6.18 and Numbers 23.19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he'll ever change his mind. He's not going to change his mind about you. And I, he's attached himself to us through Christ. Wow. That's why he'll never leave us nor forsake us. In Hebrews 13, verse 5. That's why he's the same yesterday, our yesterday, our today, and our forever. In Hebrews 13, verse 8. Because let me tell you, yesterday was an eternity and he had us in mind. He's not going to forget us now. And never will in the future. Because he's not separate from us. But their will comes in and this is why we have to learn obedience and submit our will to his will that's finished it for us. We're finished, you know that? You're finished in him. You and I are finished in him. And so it is the divine I speaking and demanding an answer. That's love. (laughs) He doesn't make a demand in that sense unless there's something is already fulfilled about us. So basically he's saying, submit your will. To I am, so you know who you are in me, and you'll never know yourself outside the definition of who I am in you through Christ. Oh, God, the great I am. Oh, Lord, it's so amazing. God's promise that he will be with men not only applies to our time on earth, because he promised that in Exodus 3, verse 14, to the Jews through through Moses, who was a type in the activity of God's work through him. We know he wasn't the type because he failed. But the work that God was accomplishing in him is unchangeable. And he did lead out over 2.4 million Jews out of captivity. So, as God's promises that, he he promises that he'll be with men. It applies not only to earth and our time on earth, but you know what it applies to? All eternity. Because the same life that we have right now in us, Christ, in 1 John 5, 11, this eternal life, is the same life that's leading us. And it's unchangeable. What kind of life do we have in us? And that makes it what? Unchangeable. He doesn't change. He's not changing his mind about who we are. And that's why even when we fail and we sin, in Romans 7, 17, and Romans 7, 20, it is no longer I that do it. But that sin that's in me manifested through the flesh, but not who I am in Christ. <laughs> you know, if God treated us after our sin, wouldn't he have to say that Christ didn't finish the work? Did he? He did. 
Boy, this is the way he wants us to know him. Because it's the only way he knows us. So what does this do when we understand? In faith, we give our will over in obedience. What it does is that very I am determines human action. It does. The action of his love through grace. And makes you and I recipients to be what? Strong. That's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Roman, uh, Joel 3, verse 10. Let the weak say, what does it say? I am. What? Strong. I am with you. Oh, my God. So incredible. And what else? Did, when we have strength, what does it make us? Very courageous. It gives us courage to trust him. It gives us courage, the, the encouragement and the courage that we need in Hebrews 10, 35 to 39. That's why he said men should always pray in Luke 18, 1, and not faint, not turn coward, not give up, not lose your experiential grip on the fulfillment of Christ in you, in your position, that encouragement and that courage that you actually have in Christ because he's in you. And so it gives us this, this courage to what? To accept, and, and this is meekness, this is the definition of meekness, to accept even difficult and even seemingly hopeless undertakings. Because what do we walk by? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, faith dependence, not by what we see, because the things that are seen in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, are temporal. The things that are not seen are what? Eternal. Eternal. Even when things look difficult and hopeless, what does it tell us, this life, this great I am that's in us, Christ? It tells you and I to wait patiently for God to work and endure confidently in spite of everything that we see, in spite of all appearances. And I am telling you, I know, that's why he said, even us here, stay and wait. And wait and you see what I'm, what I'm doing in you, isn't he? And what I will do in and through you. You just wait and see. And I can't wait. Well, I can wait. It's the only way I can wait. You know, He gives me himself to wait while he waits to be gracious in Isaiah 30, verse 18, for my will to be submitted. And it's not necessarily that I'm, I'm living in sin, although I could, but I'm ignorant of something still. And he's being so patient. Grace is his love still flowing through grace. Oh, jeez. He doesn't change his mind about us. Thank God he doesn't. That's why it says in Numbers 23, 19, listen, God is not a man. He's not you and I in the flesh, and neither are we. Because in the flesh, what do we do? We lie and change our mind. But it's not who we are. <laughs> it is not who we are. So we'll wrap it up here. Failure then for the believer. Failure. Oh boy, and I, I remember writing this down a long time ago. I can tell by, as I say, the, the pen and the paper that I write with. Failure is not an indication that God doesn't love me. Failure is not an indication that God doesn't love you. As a matter of fact, when I fail, do you know what he wants us to do? Let us love in. That's why Jesus said, give me, give me a foot. Because that's not love cleaning. In John 13, 1 through 10, oh, it certainly is. It certainly is. 
It's not an indication. So failure is what? Let love in. What is that? That's First John 1, 9. Listen, make your confession. It's not who you are. Okay? You hate what you're not. And you love who you are in Christ. And there's no condemnation whatsoever in Romans 8, 1. And so we, we let it in. And even when we fail each other, it doesn't indicate that we don't love each other or that we don't have that love in us. But when we fail each other, who do we have in us? The one who dealt with the failure, right? And that's what forgiveness is between two, two believers. It's letting love in, restoring, reconciling, making both what? One again. What does it mean to be reconciled? Both are made what? One. And there's only one substitute, and that's Christ. And he dealt with it all. He dealt with every single thing about us in that love that he has for you and I individually. And that's why when I, when I don't, what my failure doesn't indicate that God doesn't love us. It just indicates that his love that he loves me with is not yet my experience. But he never leaves us, nor forsakes us. Hebrews 13, 5, and in Isaiah 30, verse 18, he's waiting to be gracious. You think you and I got to wait on God. No, it's not even close. He's waiting to be gracious. He's waiting to be gracious, to grace us out, to pour his love on us. And that's why, that's why you and I and our relationships with each other as God's doing work in us as a local assembly and as believers, we have to give people time. We do. And we need to be patient. It's the only way we can. And love is what? Patient and kind. Doesn't give tit for tat. It's not eye for eye. Tooth for tooth, it's not. And that love, even when someone refuses the forgiveness that I want to offer them, I still function in that love for them. I don't get affected, I just pray for them. It keeps me in a safe, secure place. I keep functioning in, in the image of who I am in the great I am, who's the great I am in me and in you. So that's what we need to do because his people that have to grow, you and I, each of us, are in whose hand? And my forgiveness keeps them what? In my hand or in his? Boy, we need to do that at times. You know, because we were guilty. I can't tell you how many times I've been. And what met my guilt? I don't know what met theirs. And you have him in you and I have him in me. It's who we are. It's who we are in him. We're loving and forgiving and gracious towards each other. And so in his, where is him? That's why it says in 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Listen to what it says, that he may exalt you in due time. And you're waiting to have fellowship with someone. You desire it. Huh? Love is patient and kind and waits for God to be gracious to them. While you and I rest in his love for us, where he's resting in his son, in Zephaniah 3, verse 17. So again, what has, what? So what is he doing? He's working in us what only he has worked out about us. And just like he's finishing in us what he's already accomplished about us, he's doing in them too. 
<laughs> That's why we can honor and reverence Christ in the vessel and honor one another, no matter what. In, in Ephesians 5, verse 21. So 1 Samuel 2, verse 30 says, He that honors me, I will honor. God. That's a, that's a, that is a, a promotion and an exaltation to be where he is, even when others don't forgive us. We don't get moved by it. We just don't. What are we in God's sight? We're perfected, completed vessels. Completed vessels to manifest his son to manifest his son's glory in us, through us, towards each other, and nothing, nothing here in that place where I am is in, in me and I am in him, nothing can what? Nothing can touch us but that which is good to the use of edifying. Because even if someone's angry at us and their anger is coming towards us, God has a provision for them. Provision is keeping me safe in his love, and then forgiving is just offering. And even if they refuse that, does God refuse the place where we are? No. No. Nothing can touch that but what is good to the use of edifying. And that's why we can continue to manifest and minister grace to the hearers in Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Don't function outside of who I am is in you and you are in him. <laughs> because if we do, it's corrupt, but is it who we are? No, it's not. But will it affect my fellowship? Does sin affect my fellowship? Yeah, it won't touch my relationship, but it'll, it'll affect my, my fellowship with him. So nothing can do that, can touch it. When we fail... When you and I fail, God Almighty, when we fail, he is not rejecting you and I. He's rejecting in us what keeps out his love in us. <laughs> He's rejecting who we're not. That's sin and that's failure. It's been dealt with. It's not who we are because it's not who what? He is in us. Because would he be in us if everything about us wasn't complete? God. He's not rejecting you and I when we fail. He's rejecting what keeps out him. And what is that? His intimate love that is so for us. Right? He's forming us. He's forming us. He's making us this white stone. We'll get into that maybe tomorrow or Wednesday in Revelations 2, verse 17. So, Father, we thank you for your precious word this morning in the way that only God, the Holy Spirit, can take the things of Christ, your very Son that you gave for yourself to rest in and gave to us to rest in. We just thank you and praise you. Oh, God, we thank you so much. And I'm so thankful for you and me and me and you, and I'm thankful for every single individual that's in you as you are in them. In Jesus' name, amen.